Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. And before we get started with this week's episode, I do want to tell you we dropped a bonus episode over the weekend with author Jackie Bledsoe. Jackie is the author of The Seven Rings of Marriage, which served as our book of the month for the month of February. So we got a chance to sit down and talk to Jackie about marriage, about his book, and a number of other things. So I definitely want to invite you to go listen to that conversation if you haven't already. This week, I'm excited to bring you a conversation that I had all the way back in December with Marsha DeSil, who is the founder and editor of Called Magazine. This was such a fun conversation. I've been waiting to drop this for a while. We had a couple of series planned, and so this kind of got delayed a little bit, but better late than never. This is a great conversation with Marsha that we had back toward Christmas time, and so I think you guys are going to really enjoy hearing from her. Marsha does a lot of ministry toward women, and in this conversation, we also talked about her 52-week devotional called to inspire. So, this conversation is going to be especially pertinent to women, but men who listen to the show definitely stick around because there's a lot of great conversation about comparison and contentment and just creativity and all the sort of stuff that we talk about a lot on this show. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation with Marsha. I know I definitely did. So thank you guys for tuning in this week. Here is my conversation with Marsha DeSille. Marsha, it is so nice to have you on the show. We were kind of joking before. Uh, we both had a little bit of a scheduling conflict today, trying to get connected. Glad <laughs> that we finally have gotten connected. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Cole. Thank you so much for having me here. It's so wonderful to be here with you today. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, both your devotional call to inspire and one that you have coming out in February, as you were talking a minute ago, they kind of have some overlapping concepts, but uh, the first one call to inspire, it's, it's such a great concept because it's all about finding our calling. And it's one of those things that as Christians, we'd like to think that we are able to do, but it can be very difficult to discern uh, what that looks like. And so it's actually, I guess we can kind of just start there. It's kind of a heavy question to start off with, but how, how do we kind of discern what our calling is for our life? And maybe you can walk us through um, your own story uh, and kind of how you discern, because you didn't, you went to school, I'm reading here, you have a master's degree in social work from Boston, a master's degree in social or educational foundations, research and policy from Michigan. Um, So maybe you can even talk about how did you feel called into uh, creating the uh, the called magazine and, and that ministry and all that kind of stuff. How did how did all this happen? How did you find your calling as well? Absolutely, I think you know one of the great things about the book is you know I really emphasize the fact that our journeys can take on different dimensions. Like no two of us, God will will reveal our callings in different ways. And what's also important is to realize that we can have multiple callings. There isn't just this one thing that we're called to do and called to inspire and called magazine and the called community. It's all geared towards women finding their callings. And I've spoken to so many women who will say something like, you know, I'm just a mother. I'm like, you're just a mother. That's one of the greatest callings anyone could be called to. You it's know? much harder than my job too, being a mother. It's a mother <laughs> being a mother is a full-time job. It is. Mothering is a full-time job and there is purpose in that. But not only that, God will call us to multiple callings. We'll have different seasons in our lives. 
And in this particular season, you might be raising young children or your primary calling is being a mother or being a wife, but God will then open up other callings for you to have as well. And so it's really important that we recognize that God will unfold our multiple purposes in life throughout different aspects and different ways and different dimensions. Um, Here in Call to Inspire, what's really important to realize is that God will reveal his vision in different ways. For me, I went to school for social work. I was a social social worker for a little while, and then I worked on policy, education policy, social policy. And then this idea out of nowhere came where called, this concept of called, I don't even remember using the word called in my day-to-day life. You know, my mom, (laughs) my mom, she was um, in corporate America for like 20, 25 years. And then she became a senior pastor. And, and so I think throughout my life, I had always had a relationship with the Lord. You know, I was born into, luckily, thankfully, I hate to use the word luck, but thankfully I was born into a Christian home, but out of nowhere, this idea of called came. And so I started this devotional that was released via email and people started to sign up for these devotionals for, for Christian women. And then it turned into this idea of this magazine. And I turned to the woman who was making, who was doing all of my digital design. And I said, I wonder if people will sign up for a magazine. And so we put out this opportunity for people to subscribe to this magazine that did not exist, Cole. It did not exist. And next thing I knew, people were subscribing to this magazine that did not exist. And you had to create it. You had no choice. I had to create this magazine. create this magazine. And so that's kind of how things unfolded. But I think it's really important for people to realize that God will show his vision for our lives in different ways. And what's really important is that we remain open to the voice of God and the hand of God. And one of the great ways that we can see that the hand of God is guiding us in a particular direction is that doors will just begin to open. Relationships will begin to forge. Resources will somehow come your way to 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 support this vision that God has given us. And most importantly, God will give us multiple callings. You may be a mother right now in this season, but God may call you to become a doctor, a teacher, a lawyer, a businesswoman. Um, And also what what I discuss in this book, a lot of the times God will allow our challenges to open up doors into our callings. In the first chapter, we talk about Harriet Tubman. I talk about Harriet Tubman in the first chapter because Harriet Tubman was a slave. And once she became free, she then went back and freed many others. A lot of the times, the challenges that we face in our day-to-day lives will also be an indication of what God has called us to do, who God has called us to minister to. So the biggest thing that we can do is to just remain open to whatever way that the Lord will allow our callings to unfold, Yeah. either through our struggles, through our passions, you know, whatever it is. I love that. And I know anecdotally for me, that's definitely been true in my life where God has opened doors where places that I have felt called, I've pursued it and either it didn't happen. And I knew like, Hey, I, that's a door that maybe wasn't going to be open, but then there are other ones where I wasn't sure if God was really calling me there and doors kept opening and things kept happening. And that's a way to kind of discern, uh, you know, what, if that's where we're being called. And I think what, what you're speaking to is something that I have found myself referencing a ton lately. So I read the book Dream Big by Bob Goff. I don't know if that's a book you've read at all, but- No, I haven't read it. It just came out uh, in 2020. And one of the things he's ta- he talks about in there, you know, he, Bob Goff was used to be a, a, a 
uh, he guess he still is an attorney, but he's not practicing nearly as much because he's such a you know a popular speaker and he's an author, so he's doing all kinds of things. But one of the things that he spoke to was that basically what you're saying is you can be called in different ways in different seasons of your life. What you start out doing, like for instance, I'm a teacher now. My my college degree is in journalism, and I was I was a sports reporter for years. That's what I wanted to do, and then I felt being I felt called to become a teacher, and I went into that career. He basically was saying what you do at during a season is not what you necessarily have to be married to your whole life. And it is mm-hmm. okay to find a different passion, go down a different path. And, you know, even you know, as we, as we kind of embark on a new year, uh, it, it's kind of symbolic of there's a new creation and we are, we are, we are, God talks about being a new creation and Bob Goff uses that same anecdote to say like, that can be, that can be your career. Like you can recreate who you are, you don't have to be married to some concept or some idea. And I love that idea because I think there are people that maybe, maybe not as much uh, with younger generations now, because I think we see a lot of career changing and job changing much more so than we did maybe with boomers and the older generations where they kind of did one career and they stuck mm-hmm. with that for a long time. But there's still probably some pervasive mindset that once you've kind of signed up for one path, you've got to stick to it what would you say to people that maybe they're struggling with, they feel called to one area, but they also feel maybe obligated to staying in another area. How do they discern if they should pursue this calling or, you know, maybe they, they, maybe they're feeling guilty about leaving. Like I know for a while I felt a little bit guilty about leaving journalism. Like I was abandoning, abandoning this field that I was somehow pledging an allegiance to, you know, to pursue something else. How do, how do you kind of advise women that you work with that, Hey, it's actually, it's okay. You leave that behind and pursue this now. Of course. And we have to remember that when we become believers, our lives are no longer our own, right? right? The Bible talks about God turning the hearts of Kings. He also turns the hearts of his people. And oftentimes God will allow us to pursue one career, for example, because he's developing us in that particular career. And then after he develops us in that particular career, he then turns our heart towards something else because he wants to use us in a different, in a different area, in a different field. We also have to remember that our, our careers won't always reflect our callings, right? And, you know, sometimes our careers open up the door, opens up different doors to ministry. Right. Because you're in this position, you now have a platform of influence. And because you have that platform of influence, God will have you minister to someone who will come your way because they're they're maybe intrigued by the work that we do. We have to stop looking at just our careers as our purpose. Right. Our ministry may not necessarily be our careers. We have to realize that. But most importantly, we have to recognize that we live in a different generation. We live in a generation where there are so many possibilities and God is a God of creativity. And just because he's working through us in a particular season through a different career, doesn't mean he's not going to then springboard us into something else. And so the hardest part of the believer is remaining flexible. I think that's the hardest part of the believer. We want to make these plans and control (laughs) everything, control everything. And that's not how God works. God is God who will just say, you know what? I need you to do this now. I had you here for a moment to develop X, Y, and Z. And now I need you to move here. And we have to remain flexible. And that's why it's really important that we became we, we become spirit-led believers. Yeah. When we're where we are able to stop where we are, stop our plans and exchange our plans for whatever direction God will lead us into. And so I would just say to, to, to Christians that God is not a predictable God. We serve a very creative, 
and out of the box type of ward. And he will come up with all sorts of plans that we may not have envisioned. And we just have to hold on tight with faith and go for the journey. <laughs> go yeah, with absolutely. The journey. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And you know, congratulations to you, Cole, and just remaining flexible and being able to go wherever the Lord leads. Obviously, you were making such a tremendous difference. So well, that's yeah. this, yeah, the past year that I I took the last year, uh, I, I'm teaching this year, but I took the previous school year off of teaching. Uh, and I honestly didn't know my wife and I moved here and, and I've talked about the like people that listen to this podcast regularly will know the story already, but I'll share this kind of anecdote with you. I, you know, I, we moved to Kentucky from my hometown in Indiana and I was teaching there. I was a tennis coach. I had a lot of connections. I had my friends and my family were there and we moved uh, to Kentucky and I didn't teach this past school year because I was pursuing a lot of these creative endeavors, this podcast, writing a lot of things. And I, uh, and we can get into the whole contentment and comparison conversation here in a little bit too, because that's, that's where I've been living a lot for this year because I, I was, you know, I, whenever I pivoted so much of what I was focusing on were these creative activities. And I just was, I didn't have a whole lot of other things to to pour myself into. And I kind of ran into this whole comparison and contentment trap that I was going through, but that's another conversation for a little bit, but uh, I, I was trying to be flexible and understand like, what was God telling me to do? And I didn't have all the answers a year ago. And I'm looking back, my, it, my wife and I just recorded uh, an episode for our anniversary and, and we were talking and kind of reflecting on 2020 and the previous year of our marriage. And she was asking me like, what ways have you seen God working in this past year? And I, I think that was one of the things that I, I was kind of alluding to was just God had called me in different ways and, and we were faithful. And I, I, that's all that I've been trying to do is just be faithful with, with whatever opportunities have been presented to me. And that was, you kind of led into that at, right there at the end, talking about the element of faith that goes into this. And I think for us as Christians, non-Christians and Christians both struggle with wanting to control every aspect and decision that we make. And, and for me, the, the decisions that surround my career and, and it impacted me financially have always been the things that I've had the hardest time letting go. Mm-hmm. And I guess how, how, how what, what can you speak to in terms of this element of faith and how that plays into being able to discern our calling, because we might have ideas and goals for our lives and it may not be what God has intended for us. And so we have to be able to, to have that faith that even, or on the other hand, we may feel like we God is calling us to ministry and those doors don't open right away. And we kind of are like, God, I feel this pull. Why is this door not opening? There's two kind of, uh, you know, competing, ideas there what what can you how can you speak to that sort of dichotomy with those two ideas yeah you know it's really difficult you know this thing called faith you know or just really trusting the lord you know unfortunately we don't serve a god who who tells us everything that's going to unfold it requires some level of us just believing that if god is just telling us to take this step we have to take this step and he will provide for the next step you know The interesting thing about callings is that God has an interesting way of when he asks us to do something, there will also be a supernatural provision. And in in Call to Inspire, I talk about that. You know, when we look at the story of Gideon, God stripped Gideon's army before he gave them the victory. And sometimes when God calls us to do something, he might, it might feel as though we have no support. We don't have enough resources. We may not feel as though we're, we're equipped to do that yeah. thing, but we feel this calling, this tug, this thing that we can't shake. 
when we can't shake it, no matter how much we try, that's a pretty good indication that God is asking us to take that step. For whatever reason, we try to run away, but we can't run away. It keeps coming back. It keeps tugging at us. And But the fact of the matter is that sometimes God will call us to do things that we don't feel equipped to do in the natural. And why does he do that? He does that because he gets the glory in the end. We always have to remember that our jobs here on earth is to glorify the Lord. We're not supposed to just shine light upon ourselves, but we are supposed to reflect light to show that this is God who allowed this thing to happen. So a lot of the times, the thing that holds us back is fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. I'm not telling us that we should go out and do something crazy. We shouldn't do anything crazy, but there's a difference between doing something crazy and doing something that you feel led to do. How do you know you feel led to do something? Because it keeps coming back. It's something that keeps coming back. Anytime you try to shake it, it keeps pulling you in a particular direction. And God also sends provision for what he calls us to do. We may not know what step 10 is going to look like, but God is telling us step one. And when we take step one, he then opens up a door for step two. God always provides where he calls. And we have to recognize that our job is to learn how to recognize the voice of God. And that only comes from spending time with him. So we have to spend time with the Lord so that we recognize his voice. But we also are able to see that God's hand is involved in something because he's opening up, opening up doors that we couldn't have opened naturally. He's providing some sort of provision to make that thing happen that we could not have done in the natural. I look at Called Magazine. I was not a journalism major. <laughs> I was not a journalism major. I knew absolutely nothing about advertising sales. You know, I didn't even read magazines, but yet that's what the Lord, <laughs> that's what the Lord asked me to do at the time. Will he ask me to do something differently five years from now? Possibly. But in that moment, that's what he was calling us to do. Yeah. So I just say to everyone, pay attention to where the Lord is guiding you. You know, the Lord will also send confirmation. Someone randomly may come to you and say, hey, you know, have you ever thought about this? And you think to yourself, oh my goodness, this is something that the Lord put in my spirit three, five, 10 years ago that I've done nothing with. The Lord will send confirmation in unexpected ways. But not only that, he will give you peace. Wherever the Lord calls us to go, he will give us peace. That doesn't mean you might not have fear, but in the midst of that fear, in the midst of that uncertainty, you will feel a sense of peace. And we must always follow the peace of God. I cannot emphasize enough to people listening that what you're saying is absolutely 100% true. And it, and it happens. It truly happens. It's not just concepts that we kind of believe in this mystical life. I mean, this is truly what happened. And this is anecdotally speaking from my own perspective, this is literally what has happened. And that's, that's the, even the aspect of fear. I mean, whenever you get called into something, you feel like I've, felt called for several years to write a book. And I've been working on a book proposal for several years. And one of the chapters is all about fear. And it's all about the fear that I even felt announcing to people that I was wanting to write this book because I was fearful of the reception that I would get. I was fearful of the fact that I felt unqualified. I felt like nobody would read it. All of these things are what Satan uses to convince you that what you're being called to do is not what you're actually being called to do. And he uses that to tell you, that the gifts and the, and the spiritual gifts that God has given you are not actually gifts, that those are things that you think you have, but you don't really have those. And if we are, like you're saying, if we are not spending time with God and unable to discern what God is saying and his, discern his voice, we will 
oftentimes believe what Satan is telling us. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've talked to some people and I've read a lot of things just about like, like God will never approach you in a way that's like, like, I, it's hard for me to verbalize this. Like to me at this point, it's, it's pretty clear when Satan is trying to convince, like, God's not going to get, God's not going to tell me something that makes me feel insecure. Mm-hmm. Like if there's something that I'm not supposed to be doing, it's going to be in a, in a comforting, I'm going to, it's going to be in a comforting way. Whereas, you know, whenever I've tried to pursue creative outlets or creative aspects or creative endeavors, I've felt fear in a lot of different ways. And I can tell that that is Satan saying, you're not good enough to do that. Nobody's going to listen to your podcast. Nobody's going to read that article. Nobody's going to read your book. Like that's never something that God's going to tell us. God might say something like, that's not where I can use you right now. How about this? But those things that are self-deprecating, that's not going to come from the Lord. And I've, you know, hopefully people that are listening, I mean, that's, that's real stuff that you're talking about. And that's, that truly is like fear is a real thing. And, and fear, I, like you said, it's the enemy of faith. It's, it's the, I, in my chapter, I write about how fear is just, it's a, it's a liar. Like that's what I, it, it's a liar. It lies to you. It'll tell you things that just simply aren't true. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, um, as you have maybe talked to some people just that, that maybe they've come to you and they said, Hey, I'm being called to do this. And they are fearful. Um, how do you walk them through that? How do you lead them through that? And maybe, maybe you haven't had a ton of people, but I, I don't know, like people have maybe said, Hey, I'm being called to do this. Or maybe even you, like what were some fears that you felt during certain seasons? You know, I, I love what you said. You said that we have to recognize the voice of God because sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell us, wait a second, not yet, right? The Holy Spirit will tell us, wait a second, not yet, right? And right. But that's not necessarily fear, right? Right. That's just telling you, wait, you know, you're getting ahead of us, you know? And I think one of the hardest things, you know, we talk about what's difficult being a believer. There are several things difficult being being a believer. But one of the challenges is always trying to, to know the difference between us and God, right? Being able to place a check on what some call our flesh, you know, our fleshly self, you know, is this me or is this God, you know? So when I say the word fear, I think it's important for us to understand what that is, right? When I say fear, I mean things like fear of failure, right? Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to feel the heat and and to to sit back and say, wait, this might not be too, you know, there's a reason why we feel heat on the stove so that we fear can yeah, fear can be a good thing in some aspects. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we learn not to put our hand in the fire, right? right? We're not talking about that. We're not talking about caution. It's important for us to be cautious and not to jump off our roof. But when we start becoming afraid of failure, you know, that's what we're talking about here. Right. The fear of failure, the fear of falling flat on your face, the fear of this not happening, you not being strong enough, smart enough, capable enough, right? right. That, that's the kind of fear that we're talking about here. And the Bible speaks heavily about that. You know, God is going to be our strength and our weakness. He's the strength. He is that missing piece. When we know that the Lord has called us to do something, right? The Lord is, has opened up all the right doors. This thing, no matter how much we try to shake it, it does not go away. And even though you may be concerned about failure, you still feel a peace about moving forward because God guides us with his peace, right? Yeah. And we always have to remind ourselves that we're not supposed to feel as though we're capable of doing this, right? If we felt that we were strong enough, wise, wise enough, resourced enough, connected enough, we would not need God. There would be no God in that. We could go do that in our nat- in the natural. But we have to remember that we're not supposed to. When God really calls us to do something, we should never really feel as though we can do it in our own strength. 
That's why God calls us to do it because he's the one who provides that strength. He's the one who helps us move forward. So the fear that we're talking about is there is no fear of failure. We can shake that because this isn't our project to begin with. This is God's project that we are coming in partnership with him to complete. And God, God is, it's impossible for the Lord to fail, right? And so when we know that we are moving forward in something that is a God calling instead of a us calling, then we're able to shake that fear because this is not ours to begin with. It's God's job. I heard a pastor, I heard a pastor preach one time about supernatural. He said, super is the God, natural is us. And that's what makes it supernatural is that we come alongside God. But some of us want God to do everything. We want to just be super, let God do it. I don't have to participate. And some of us just want to be natural. But the goal is that we are supernatural, where we come alongside God. And this can't fail because this is his project to begin with. I'm just participating in this plan that the Lord has. I think one of the other aspects that Satan will use along with fear is let's say that you get started and maybe you're not feeling the fear necessarily of starting, but what might happen is you might start a ministry, you might start a creative outlet, you might start a magazine, podcast, whatever it is. And you might have this idea of how successful that's going to be. And then it doesn't live up to what your expectations were. And so what happens is you start to compare and, you know, get jealous of people that seemingly are doing things better than us in a more successful way. And so that can, I I wrote something earlier in 2020 about how comparison completely robs us of our joy about things. And this was, this was literally uh, the, the season that I was living in. I'd started this podcast and I was kind of alluding to this earlier you know, I was, I wasn't teaching. And so a lot of my energy was just put toward this podcast and, you know, the downloads weren't what I thought they would be by that point. And I was seeing all these other shows that were getting started. People were recommending other people's podcasts. And I was kind of like, well, I feel like I'm doing a good job. Why are people not recommending my, and I was like this big, huge moment of insecurity and, and, and lack of contentment and lack of patience, really, that God was still using my platform and my show for its own reasons. And like, thank God, like this whole year has been a journey in that. And I've been able to understand that, like, first of all, the whole, the process of creating something is beautiful. And God's, God uses this in its own way, just because like, whatever somebody else is creating may not be bigger seemingly than somebody else does not mean that it's not being used in the way God intended for it. And so that like my own journey of struggling through contentment and comparison has been something that I've written a lot about, but I think that's another way that Satan will use our creative abilities against us or our calling against us is that he'll make us feel insignificant with our calling. Mm-hmm. And I know that you speak to that in your devotional some. So what are, what are some truths that you have held on to as it relates to contentment and comparison? Absolutely. And especially if you're someone who's ambitious, it could be tough, you know, when you, when you look and you see, you have this, this, this yeah. dream, this vision, and it's just not unfolding the way that you had hoped. One, you know, the fact of the matter is this, I have personally, I'm a, I'm the ambitious type. I'm going to be honest. I have found comfort in recognizing that God's plan is the ultimate vision. I, I do have vision for my life, but I need to start having vision for the kingdom of God. And it, as long as God's, and it sounds so hard and I, and I have to tell myself this too, but we have to recognize that we are one body made up of many different parts, Right. right. 
uh, we are one body made up of one different part of many different parts. And, and God might call us to do this part and call somebody else to do that part. But this part, the tiny part fits all together. You know, we can't say, we can't say to someone doing a smaller part that they're not needed because they may very well be needed. Look at the neck. The neck has to hold up the head. You know, what is the head without the neck? And so what's difficult is really having to allow God's vision and God's plan to trump our vision and our plan. That doesn't mean that we don't continue being faithful in what we have. Absolutely. The Bible says, don't despise small beginnings. We have to be faithful in whatever it is that's in our hands. But we also have to recognize that if we only reach five people, that's five people that someone else did not reach. And we have to rejoice for that, knowing that those five add up to many more if each one of us is doing our part. Yeah. And that is just a balancing act. And it's something that if you're ambitious, you're going to have to just deal with on a regular basis. That doesn't mean that you don't aspire to do more, but it's also just rejoicing in the fact that we are doing whatever it is that God has called us to do in that moment. And that in itself is a faith act. It takes a lot of faith to just dance for the five that you just reach when you yeah. have a vision to, to, to reach millions, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that in itself is a, is a, is a faith walk. And we also have to recognize that the ultimate goal is for God to look at each one of us and say, well done, well done. in whatever it is that I have called you to do, that is the ultimate prize. Yeah. So again, you know, all of this is about faith and, and just recognizing that we serve a God who will re reward our, our diligence and our commitment and our level of excellence. And though the world may not see it all, God cherishes it and he will reward us for all that we have done. Yeah. One of my favorite authors, Hannah Brencher, she talks a lot about this idea of celebrating the one. And she basically says, yeah. if you can't celebrate the one, like the first listener, the one listener that you have, why do you think you'd be ready to welcome in thousands? Of, <laughs> she, she words it a whole lot better, but it's, the concept basically is like, you know, you, everybody starts somewhere and you got to be able to appreciate the people that are there genuinely for who you are, for your content, for what you're creating. And like you, you had the people that originally said, yes, we'd love a magazine before you'd even created a magazine. I mean, that's like the core group of people that are saying, we're going to support you no matter what. We just trust you that you're going to put out good content. Like those are the type of people that, you know, for, for any creator, if you have those people in your corner, wouldn't you much rather have a group, a, a, a smaller group of those kind of supporters than a bunch of anonymous people who you never met that maybe they like your content, but you don't know them. I mean, like, I just feel like that connection where if you built a community of people that said, look, Marsha, we will, we will read whatever you put out there, whether that's a magazine, if you've never done a magazine before, we're still going to read it. You know, that, that to me is like that, that's the ultimate dream of any creative person is that you have people that genuinely just want to read or, or take in whatever it is that you're willing to put out. And I think, you know, the, the, the best creators that I, that I find myself attracted to are the people that do that really well. And, and what Brecher, if God yeah. only asks us to reach five? And exactly. we have to remember that, you know, it's tough. All of this is a faith walk, right? Yeah. We perform for, for an audience of one, you know, his name is, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah Jireh, our great God, you know, we perform for an audience of one. Yeah. And if he gives us five, are we going to serve those five? Are we going to, if he gives us one, are we going to serve that one with all of our strength, with all of our heart, with all of our might? And that one in the eyes of God 
is just as valuable as 10 million. And are we going to give it all that we have for this audience of one? Yeah. And I find it very hard to believe that if we serve that one with all of our heart, with all of our might, that the Lord won't then give us more. When we look at the story of the talents. Yep, that's, I was just going to reference that. Yep, when you exactly. look at the story of the talents, God gave the most faithful servant more and took away the one that the least faithful servant had and gave it to the one who had the most. He gave it to the one who had the most. Why? Because he was faithful in what the Lord had, what the master had given him. Yep. So I find it just based on biblical principle. I find it very hard to believe that if we serve the one with all our heart, with all our might, with all of our strength, without envying what our neighbor has, I find it very hard to believe that the Lord, just based on biblical principle, won't multiply that. So I think that's really the key. We're just remembering that we don't serve our own ambition, right? We serve the vision that the Lord has, and we can trust that our God is fair and he is just. And he will recognize the good that we're doing with the one or the five or the 10 that we have. And he will then multiply it based on our faithfulness. Yeah. I love that. that that's such a beautiful way to put it. And that story of the talents is it's just, a, it's just perfectly, it's a perfect embodiment of what we're talking about. It's a perfect embodiment of being faithful with what we've been given and, and then being faith or trusting that God will be faithful to us with, you know, Hey, you know, I've seen that you can handle this. Now here's this. Yeah. Now you can handle that. Now here's this. And I think we're just so caught up with wanting, I mean, we live in an instant gratification world where we have a very, very difficult time being patient with things. We have a very difficult time waiting on things to happen. You know, this was a kind of a, I've written about this and this was the metaphor I used, but like you go to a coffee shop and you get your coffee within three minutes you know, you send a text message, somebody replies back in a few minutes. Um, our, you know, we just, we're so used to things being given to us right then and there that oftentimes the, the waiting season, whenever we're waiting on God to do something is very, very, very difficult for us. But honestly, I found that those are the seasons that I completely grow the most, both as a human, but also in my faith toward mm -hmm. God. And I just think that that it's such a, it, the, the refining season and the waiting is so important. Uh, and, and the, it, this is actually in the book I'm writing, but the, the analogy I use basically is the same as a farmer. I mean, a harvest is not something that you can microwave. It's planted, it's tended to, it's, it's yeah. you know, tended to over months that, that takes months for those seeds to grow, to blossom, to become harvest, to become uh, crops that you, that you can eat and enjoy and live off of. And that's just not something that takes, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think the same happens a lot of time with prayers, which obviously you have a, a new devotional coming out about prayer as well. And I'm sure some of these concepts intersect with that, but it, the pr prayers and waiting on some things, like it just, it takes a while. The waiting is hard. And maybe you can speak to that too, like maybe why we struggle so much with waiting, but also how necessary that waiting process is. Yeah, it is necessary. And God often has us wait because he's developing something in us. So when I think of some of the things that I'm doing now that I wasn't able to do 10 years ago, it wasn't because I was waiting on something externally to happen. It was because God had to develop something within me. God is more interested in developing us than allowing us to reach all of our ambitions, right? right. <laughs> he's, con he's concerned about us, you know, right. and God, God develops us. The book of prayer, Called to Pray, which comes out in February, 
It's about having these conversations with the Lord, developing a relationship with God where it's no longer just, you know, we, we, we rub the bottle and we make a wish, right? We, we have a relationship with a real God who wants to, to develop us, come alongside us and develop us. And we're having interaction with him. So it's no longer just a wish dream. This is, these are my dreams. These are my, my ambitions where we come alongside God and we are carrying out his vision for, the, for, for what he has for his people, for the kingdom of God. And so it's absolutely correct. God allows us to wait because there are certain things that he wants to do, but he can't yet do it through us, either because of our, our spiritual challenges, our temperament, our insecurities, all these things that he has to get out of the way in order for him to, for that work to unfold. It's hard, but we almost have to start to find a way to enjoy the process. Because it's in the process. When we look at Joseph, you know, Joseph in the Bible, God gave Joseph this dream. And the Lord took years to, he wasn't just unfolding his dream. He was also developing Joseph. And no matter what he was going through, the Bible kept saying, but God was with Joseph. Even through those trials, even through those challenges, Joseph changed before he actually became what the Lord had told him he was called to be. Yeah. So we have to find joy and meaning in that waiting process because it's in that waiting process that the Lord really shows us who he is and molds us into who we're supposed to be. You're speaking my language right now. This is, this is, the, this is the, I feel like the main message that I have been trying to communicate with so much of my content this year too, because that's, that's the space that I've been living in. It's hard. It is so hard to wait, you know, we pray for things and we seemingly don't see them come to fruition in the way that we would like them to. And I wrote this article uh, sometime, I think it was the summer of 2019 for Relevant Magazine. And it was basically this idea that, you know, in my opinion, there are, there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer because mm-hmm. I believe that we pray for something. And let's say that I, for instance, when I was in when I was uh, very early on in my journalism career, I interviewed twice for a job at the newspaper in Louisville, Kentucky. And I felt very confident that I would get uh, at least one of those jobs. I interviewed on two separate occasions for two, two different jobs. And none of those jobs ever got offered to me. And I felt like I did really well in the interview. I had good connections. And for whatever reason, that job never panned out. And I, I look back and, and I, I thought in my mind that that was the best next move for me. Mm-hmm. and God had other plans. So I prayed for that job. I prayed that God would give me that job. And I think we oftentimes pray for very similar things in very similar ways. Mm-hmm. And I can easily look at that as God didn't answer that prayer. But what happened was my next job was actually at my hometown, uh, which led me to a tennis coaching job, even though I was working for a newspaper job, which then led me into education, which led me to where I'm at now. And so God didn't answer the prayer the way that I asked for it, but he answered the prayer in the way that he envisioned it. And so in my opinion, whether we pray for something and God answers it the way that we answer that we ask for it, or it's a different way, like nothing is ever unanswered because God's saying what you're asking for is not actually what my best plan is for you. And I, that's, that's the philosophy that I have subscribed to. And it's actually given me a lot of comfort in like, I don't find myself getting angry at God. Like, yeah, there are things that I would love to have. And I'm wondering like, God, why I feel like I, I, just like any human, like, I feel like I've earned this. Why haven't I gotten this yet? And it's frustrating, but I've also understood that like, look, God knows me better than I know myself because he created me. 
and mm-hmm. he knows what my best plans are for my life more so than I do. And I have to trust that. And I think that faith aspect and prayer, it's hard, but it's so necessary. And maybe in, in your, in your book about prayer, I mean, have you talked about any of those same concepts just about like, you know, we kind of, they all kind of overlap, but just that faithfulness of yeah, you got to just, whenever you pray, it's got to be, you got to. Yeah, really absolutely. It, absolutely there actually is a chapter on that you know when we do pray god does answer even if he doesn't answer in the way yeah. that we had hoped and yeah. again it comes back to what we initially started chatting about our callings we don't define our callings you know god is the great manufacturer he has created each and every one of us with a specific calling yeah. on our lives and specific challenges in our lives because those challenges turn into ministries once we overcome those challenges and just being open to that, even open to the no. Some of the best prayers answered were answered with a no, you know, where God said, no, (laughs) that is not what I have for you. I have something so much better for you, right? Or I have you to go through this journey so that you could come out on the other side and be a gatekeeper, you know, someone who can guide other people through this process. And so being called, comes back to initially what we talked about, where we are trusting God with everything in our lives. The New Living Translation has a translation of a scripture that says that God delights in every detail of our lives. And when we become believers, we hand over the reins of our lives. We say, listen, Lord, I'm going to get in the passenger seat and I'm going to let you drive. I'm going to let you drive. And so a a part of allowing God to drive is finding comfort in the nose. Yeah. Finding comfort in the nose. Right. And I also feel like when you really think about it, how freeing is that for us mm. that we don't have to control what our lives yeah. look like? We we have so much comfort in knowing that obviously God's going to open doors. We've got to, it's not like we can just sit back passively and wait for things to happen. That's not what I'm trying to communicate, but we don't have to take control of everything in our lives and feel that pressure because you know, some of those things that I may have wanted in my life, God knew that if I went down that path, that it was actually going to be destructive for me. Amen. And I think so many people maybe forget that, that, Hey, I wanted this job or I wanted this to happen. And maybe you weren't ready for that. Like, you know, maybe if you're asking for this to happen, maybe like for a lot of content creators, you know, they, they, I've ran into this, you know, I I'm wanting to write a book. And one of the, the struggles I've ran into is agents saying, Hey, your platform is not quite big enough yet. And that's a very dangerous road to get down if you're a creative person that sure. struggles with identity because then you have to play that game. But also God might be saying, you're not quite ready for that number of people to be influenced by you yet. Your voice is not ready for that. Your heart is not ready for that. And that's not just saying specifically to me, but maybe somebody else listening like, hey, like maybe you need to get stronger with God in your relationship with God before you're able to be discipling thousands of other people. And that's, I think God can maybe be protecting us sometimes whenever we think he's actually preventing us. And I think, you know, you look at the law as it's stated in the Bible, it's, I've heard it preached as it's not restricting, it's actually safeguarding us. Like you think of a fence in your yard, you put a dog out in your backyard, the fence kind of serves as the, the law, as we would think about it, you know, these laws that God has given us to follow. It's, it's for our safety. It's not for our restriction. It's for our safety that, Hey, actually, I don't want you to go down this because this could be harmful to you. And I think a lot of times our, the, the perspective that we have is so vital to how we approach those situations. 
one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you, and I, I think I forgot to ask this whenever we were talking about the fear aspect, but I think there are people that have spiritual gifts that maybe they don't, don't realize they have them or they're, they're, they're not using them. Like they're just not either scared or they're just not using them. And, and I think I almost feel like we have an obligation as Christians, especially that when God's given us a gift to use those. And uh, maybe you could speak to that idea as well, just about like whenever we feel a call, not necessarily a calling, but just when we, when we recognize that maybe we can sing, we can play a guitar, or we can write, or we can speak. When we feel that like when we have those skills, I mean, do we have an obligation to use those for the kingdom of God? Oh, goodness, yes. We absolutely do. And we see that with the story of the talents as well. We almost have to sit down and take an inventory of everything that God has given us. And we used find to do that when I was in like youth group. They'd have us write really? down all the things that we thought were our spiritual gifts. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, you, we have to sit down and take an inventory of everything that God has given us, including passions and inclinations. And we have to find a way to maximize those things. We're begging the Lord, 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 use me, use me. And the Lord is sitting back and saying, I've given you X, Y, Z, LMNOP, and you're doing absolutely nothing with it, right? And these gifts don't have to be something like as elaborate or fancy as singing or playing the piano. It could be something, maybe you have a gift for helps. Maybe you're the type of person who could just come over to someone's home who is in need and help them out or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe you're the type of person who could sit down with someone and give them encouragement. You have the gift of encouragement. Every gift doesn't have to be so fancy, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I remember one particular gift. I, I scored high on the law school admission test, 99.8th percentile. And I was like, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? And I just started tutoring people who were low income, who couldn't take a class you know, to study for the law school admission test. It could be something like that. You know, it doesn't have to be singing or dancing or playing the piano or playing the clarinet. It could be just a skill, some sort of gifting, some sort of blessing that the Lord has given you. You may have the gift of encouragement. There are so many people out here who are depressed and feel alone. And maybe you can be the person who can speak life into them or someone who we can just sit down and spend time with them. Those are the things that we're talking about. And so when we show ourselves to be faithful in whatever it is that the Lord has given us, right? That's when he starts to give us increase and more responsibility. Yeah. And we see that in the Bible. <laughs> we see it in the Bible. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. And one of the final questions I always love to ask people, so my show is called In No Hurry. And the idea when I created this was basically, you know, we, we all live super busy lives and we have a hard time slowing down. Uh, during the pandemic, not, not so hard. It was easy to kind of slow down at times. But um, what are some things that you do whenever your life gets really crazy? And, you know, maybe uh, even, even if it is your calling and you're, you're, but you're, you're, being, you know, you're being pulled in a lot of different directions and life is really busy, what do you do to sort of peel back and slow down and just sort of uh, maybe create a Sabbath or just create time and, and space in your life to just slow down a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. I like to go on drives. I've always been the person who's like, who, who really loved road trips, yeah. you know, or just a nice drive. It's when I think of my childhood, the happiest moments were when my mom took us on a road trip or something, or my dad decided to drive us to the beach or something like that. So for me, being in the car, I pray in the car. Also, I'm one of those people who I go in the car and I do a prayer drive and I just talk to the Lord. I also like walking in nature. 
when we look around nature, we're reminded of God. We're looking at the trees, we're looking at the birds, we're looking at the sky. And you can, some people do prayer walks. You could just walk and it just reminds you, you are just surrounded by the beauty of creation. And then I also have some more less admirable <laughs> things I do. I have a show. I always have a show. I always have a show for good or for bad. What are your go-to shows? shows? <laughs> I have my go-to show. I love The Crown. It's just okay. a show. Oh, my wife loves that show. Yeah. I love The Crown on Netflix. There are, worse, okay. there are plenty of worse shows you could be watching. Oh, thank you. <laughs> It's kind of tabloidy sometimes, but um, I, it's okay to have a show that allows you, everything you do doesn't have to be, you know, gospel music, you know, or, or Christian music. Sometimes yeah. it's okay to just escape. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So those are the things that I love. I always have a show. I like a drive and I like a walk, a nice nature walk. It's yeah. something that draws me closer to the Lord. Yeah. That's kind of, kind of what I do. I, I found golf uh, kind of oh. in the summer of 2020, I had started finding uh, golf a lot. I, I have a golf course right by my house. I went out and played a lot. And uh, you know, now that it's colder, not can't do that as much, but whenever <laughs> there's a nice day, I kind of sneak over there and play a little bit. So that's kind of been my thing too. So do you have a show? A golf? Do I have a, no, a show? Do you have oh, a show? <laughs> I was like, do you have a golf show? No. Uh, a team, my, my TV show this year, or at least since COVID started, New Girl is kind of my go-to show. Oh, I never heard of that. New okay, Girl. Zoe Deschanel is on there. I was so confused. I was talking about golf and the asked the show. And I was like, golf show? <laughs> um, uh, but no, I New Girl, I also, I really love to watch the Impractical, sorry, I had to swallow, the Impractical Jokers. Oh, I've never that? heard of that. Maybe they're I like, should watch that. It's like a group of friends that they kind of just do like practical jokes on people. It's kind of, oh, they're actually, so it's, it, it sounds really immature. It's they're actually really funny. Like they go on tour. They had a movie come out. It's actually it's it's pretty clever. Oh, nice. I also, <laughs> I also love to watch Shark Tank. I'm a big Shark Tank. Oh, fan. my father loves Shark Tank. Oh, my goodness. He watches all the, the marathon <laughs> versions yeah. of Shark Tank. We haven't watched Shark Tank as much this year. I don't know if they stopped recording as much. I don't know. We But we for a while, my wife and I would watch that all the time. Very nice. I, I love it for the the creative aspect. Like I love seeing just the companies and the the products that they create. And mm-hmm. you know, it's I, I, there were some years where I would watch it, and I actually would get a lot of Christmas gift ideas from Shark Tank. Oh yeah, that's so, great. Like I remember the ring. Everyone bought the ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was. Um, we had this thing. It was I forget what it was called. It was some kind of a sponge that we used to clean off stuff that was on Shark Tank. Um, I bought some, there was a person that, that made this like really nice, like, I don't know if gourmet is the right word, but this really high end, like olive oil. Um, and so I bought some of that for, uh, my grandparents who are, they're very into fine dining and wine, that kind of stuff. So I was like, this is perfect. And so, yeah, really cool things on Shark Tank I've found as, as Christmas (laughs) gifts. So, uh, those are kind of my go-tos. That's mostly when I watch TV, it's sports. Like I watch a lot of sports. I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, baseball fan I like college basketball I like football so that's mostly what I do watch if I watch tv at all but if I'm bored I'll watch new girl or uh, oh, <laughs> now wanna, you're gonna have me check out this show new girl yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty funny it's it's kind of similar to friends um Whoa, I like it's friends. like a group of friends basically the premise is that there's these guys that live in an apartment and then Zoe Deschanel she moves in with them and she's like the one girl living amongst the guys and then one of her friends kind of ends up being in this friend group. So it's this friend group created out of this apartment living scenario. And then it just kind of tracks their daily lives. And it's, it's funny. It's a, it's a pretty clever show and all the characters are pretty unique. And so 
it makes for a good show. It's you know, like a typical like 23, 24 minute oh, nice. uh, funny sitcom show. So we've, exactly. we binged it during, during the early parts of COVID. Um, there, you know, kind of around the, uh, we, watched, we watched Tiger King when it came out. I'm not real proud of saying I watched that. But, <laughs> but I uh, think a lot of people, I watched one episode. I, I couldn't get into it. <laughs> oh, it was just so bizarre. But uh, yeah, New Girl and then I keep naming off all these shows. I've said I don't watch a lot of TV, but I also watch Seinfeld. I like, I like Seinfeld. Oh, I like so, Seinfeld. Yeah. Is it still on TV? I haven't seen it in a while. Just random reruns. I, oh. we, have, we have Hulu Live, so I don't ever just sit oh, and, like, yeah, turn on TV. Like If I'm like eating lunch or eating and I'm sitting at a table, I'll have my computer with me and I'll pull up Hulu to watch something. I'll be honest with you. A lot of what I like to watch is documentaries, too. Like I like to watch a lot of historical documentaries. Me, too. So uh, we had the Smithsonian Channel. And oh. I watch a lot of stuff on there too. So I'm nice. kind of a nerd. I, I'm going all over the place here, but <laughs> simple <laughs> well, question. We know what that show you know how to relax. Yeah. You know how to relax. <laughs> yeah. I, I, do, I do love a good documentary. I love, I love watching educational stuff. I've found Me as I've gotten too. older, I like watching historical. Like there was a, a show that I watched early on during COVID too. It was, it was called Waco. It was like an eight part miniseries about the Waco siege. And oh, so I, didn't... I was fascinated by that. I've watched, watched that as well. So very cool. My, my wife watches a lot more TV than I do. She watches a lot more TV <laughs> shows, but um, those are I, whenever I do watch, that's kind of my variety there. So no, that's I'll nice. Answer time. that very simple question. No, <laughs> <laughs> thank so, you. For so you got me. oh, absolutely. You, you got you got a, a devotional coming out here in February. Where can people go to purchase that? And then also, if people want to connect with you on social media, you kind of mentioned your pages, but where can they go to connect with you? Absolutely. So on social media, you can go to called worldwide and it's C-A-L-L-E-D worldwide, or you can just type in called, I'm sure it'll come up. And for the books called to inspire, you can go to Barnes and Noble, you can go on Amazon, you can also go to christianbooks.com. Uh, you can also go on target.com, walmart.com as well. And then call to pray, it'll be out in February, same places, Amazon, target.com, walmart.com, uh, Barnes and Noble as well. So Perfect. go get the books they're great, yeah, Most of them are great. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna i think i'm gonna grab that when it comes out it sounds the, the, especially the one about prayer it seems like a lot of a lot of conversations i've had here at, at our church and even on this podcast lately have been about prayer so Absolutely. it seems very timely yes i enjoyed writing it just because when you write a book about prayer it really forces you to pray more draw closer to the lord <laughs> so yep. i enjoy just the process of writing that and tyndale can i just tell you tyndale house publishers has done such a beautiful job with the design. I mean, the designs are beautiful. The beautiful botanical illustrations and, and call to pray, the, the bird illustrations, gold foil, full color. They really made it in a way where not only is it a gift for yourself, but it's also a wonderful gift to other women. Uh, so share the book. I'm sure you would love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Marsha, for joining me. This was, this was awesome. You're awesome, Cole. It's so great. And I look forward to chatting with you again. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that was such a fun conversation with Marsha. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing her speak about calling and finding your calling and just her heart behind her entire ministry called Worldwide and the Call to Inspire book, Called to Pray, Called Magazine. Basically, if you are looking for content about your calling, she is a go-to person. 
I'm just super grateful for her wisdom in this conversation and sharing her experience about finding her calling and giving us some practical ways to approach this question that I think so many of us find ourselves asking, what is my calling? What does God want to do with me in this lifetime? I know that's something that I can definitely resonate with, and I really appreciated having her on. So definitely check out her books, Called to Pray and Called to Inspire. I cannot wait to dive into those and learn even more just about what God's Word says about finding our calling and how we can pray and talk to God about finding our calling. And as always, I want to thank you guys for taking time to listen to this show. It really means a lot. And those of you that take the time to reach out to me personally, that's really cool. I really appreciate those of you that take the time to listen and also those that rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. That's like basically the currency for podcasts. That is kind of how people decide whether or not to listen to shows. It really helps people like me get my show in front of other people that and also word of mouth so if you have friends who are looking for podcasts that are looking for content about the topics that we talk about on here comparison contentment calling like today just anything that's a faith related topic if you have friends looking for that kind of a content i would really appreciate it if you recommended this podcast to them obviously i would love for this to get in front of as many people as possible so that they can hear the guests that i am fortunate to have on this show I don't know where you're listening from, but here in Kentucky, we are finally getting some beautiful spring weather. So if that's the case where you are, I hope you're able to be outside sometime this week. I hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we'll see you next week.